In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. It's great to be back, everybody. Welcome to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. You know what that means, don't you? It's time for our annual March Around the World series. And I look forward to this month of broadcasting the whole year through. So get your passports ready, friends, because uh, it's time for it to begin anew tonight. And during this month-long special series, we're going to be showcasing leaders and elected officials from different European nations, different Western nations, not just in Europe, but uh, in Europe and beyond, as we seek to discover how our kinsmen are faring uh, throughout the Western world. It's going to be a month of broadcasting you won't forget as we travel throughout, as I just mentioned, Europe and beyond with some of our people's finest representatives. And tonight we'll be making stops in England, in Australia, and in Canada. You will not just three different countries, but three different continents tonight as we kick off this month of broadcasting. The Anglosphere is covered. Uh, Keith, it's great to be back with you as well after missing you last week. Great to see your smiling face again, buddy. Let me get you here turned up just right i tell you what i missed you last week but uh, the show didn't miss a beat uh, in fact better than ever with sam bushman hosting uh, in my stead and you playing your usual part and i want to give sam a big tip of the hat for having former congressman steve stockman on the program last week that is the second of two former united states representatives that have been on the show in the first two months of this year steve king in iowa steve stockman out of texas and really uh, interesting talk radio about how Washington works behind the scenes. You know, I, I was really just enthralled in, in listening to that, how he talked about how members of Congress are afraid of the government uh, when they're there. We had Sam uh, Dixon on the second hour, and of course, of course you, you can't go wrong with Sam. No. And then we had Tim Kelly in the third. So. Well, I'll tell you that. Yes, we did. It was a fantastic uh, show from start to finish, as will tonight be. And uh, we were mentioning former members of Congress. Let me tell you who my favorite former member of European Parliament is. It's Nick Griffin, and he's with us uh, live now from England. And I'll tell you one thing about Nick that I can't say about the two congressmen that have been on with us so far this year. Nick has appeared with us both as a sitting member of Parliament and as a former. So he's got a one-up on the other two Steves. Nick, how are you doing tonight? And thanks for staying up so late to kick off this very special series with us. I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. I must correct you, though. I'm not in England. I'm in Northern Ireland. Whoa, whoa, all right. Well, you're on the road tonight. You're on the road. What, what are your trips? in the UK. I'm in the UK, You're still in the UK, though. Great Britain, the UK. Which do you prefer? Uh, oh, that's quite a complicated thing. See, in, I'm in Northern <laughs> Ireland. I'm not in Great Britain because it's Great Britain oh. and Northern Ireland make up the United Kingdom. 
does. See, you know, we do get confused. See, you call us Yankees, though, when we're actually Confederates, but it's, uh, you know, it, we're, we're, we're Confederates. <laughs> Putting hairs here, splitting. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And you're an honorary rebel yourself, and then some. Well, uh, you know, Nick, you kicked off. You're always such a welcomed and regular guest. You kicked off uh, our entire broadcasting year in 2022. You're our first guest in January of 2022, kicking off the special series now in 2023, and you appear throughout the year as well. Uh, give us a quick peek on how things are going in whatever you call it: the United Kingdom, Great Britain, Northern Ireland, England. How are we doing on over on the island? It's a remarkable time. I've been involved in political action, James, for 50 years now. And honestly, I've never seen and sensed a time like this. It's absolutely astounding. There's demonstrations against the mass immigration flood in town after town after town every single day. This is absolutely spontaneous. Uh, it's a shame that uh, they managed to smash up the British National Party. So we're not there. But this is absolutely from the grassroots. It's happening also in Scotland, in Northern Ireland, and in also in the Republic of Ireland. There's this groundswell of public opinion against this new swamping wave of mass immigration. And it's tying in with an enormous radicalization of a lot of people over the, the COVID lockdowns and the jab man, uh, mandates and the mask mandates and all the rest of it. And a lot of those people come basically from the left. Uh, but what they've experienced over the three years of the lockdown tyranny has so radicalized them that, for instance, when uh, people who are on their side now interview me, they get no pushback from people who a few years ago would have said, you can't have that man on, he's a monster. There's this real grassroots, it's a combination of defiance and anger against everything the elite are doing to us. I don't know where it's going to end, but it's very exciting. Nick, I have to double down on you right there, my friend, because you've been traveling this week. I was traveling throughout almost the entire month of February in fits and starts. And so you and I didn't actually have a chance to really get into uh, a back and forth email exchange on what we would be talking about tonight. So when I asked that question, I truly didn't know how you were going to answer, but I'm so pleased to hear the good news because some of the things we're going to be covering over the course of the remainder of this hour are some good things that I, that we are observing here in America that I think is very uh, mm -hmm. akin to what you just described. And we're, we'll compare notes and, and, and trade, uh, trade a few uh, secrets back and forth. But I, I am seeing the same thing to, to, to answer wow. succinctly. I believe I'm seeing the same things and we'll present some evidence to you of that as this hour continues. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> are the heads over there a sort of, leading to a reawakening of the people? I mean, with uh, with what? Uh, a Muslim mayor of London, an, uh, an Indian prime minister, have uh, has their stewardship uh, or just the sight of that sort of... Uh, have the English people just said enough already? <laughs> Is that what's going on? Uh, uh, I think it's, it's partly that, although taking the, the Muslim mayor of London, frankly, it doesn't matter to most uh, actual indigenous London, Londoners because like me, they all moved out years ago. The place is a foreign-occupied <laughs> zone, uh, yeah. so it really doesn't matter too much. But even in London, especially the sort of the outer ring, which is still partly indigenous, although pretty middle-class and liberal, even they're up in arms because of the... It's not the fact they've got a Muslim mayor. It's the fact that the Muslim mayor is enforcing... Uh, I don't know if you have this yet in America, but this World Economic Forum originated 15-minute neighbourhoods, 15-minute cities, ultra-low emission zones. Basically, it's a war on private car owners, uh, and it's a massive tax ramp as well. Uh, and it's really angering these people so that where they're putting in uh, traffic blocking measures, 
CCTV cameras to observe, to impose this true tyranny. Uh, ordinary, basically middle-class Londoners, formerly liberals, are setting fire to these things and smashing them up. It's something quite remarkable. It can't be getting any worse than it is over here, Nick. They're trying to do away with gas stoves now. That's the latest <laughs> Oh, they're trying to do away with wood-burning stoves and gas stoves over here. Yep. It's the same, the same, um, it's the same madness coming from the same puppet politicians who are working on behalf of the same global elite clique. Well, that's exactly right, and it doesn't matter what their names are. They're working for this, this same criminal shadowy cabal. Let, let me identify. ask you this, Nick, too. What is behind this? Have everybody have, have the leaders just collectively lost their minds, or is somebody paying this off, or what's going? Well, how it's is too big of a question to ask as the music <laughs> begins to play. That or did I hear the music? Or phantom, phantom music was. I thought I heard it. I've been off a week, so maybe I'm a little rusty. Well, um, now cue the Jeopardy. We've got we've got a uh, uh, you know a. Uh, uh, epidemic like covid i guess of uh mental illness uh in the halls of leadership in all of the western nations now well i think i don't want to answer for nick but i think that the two congressmen that we've had on in the last couple of months there's the music i knew it was coming i thought i heard it uh, what I, I go back and listen ladies and gentlemen to congressman steve king and steve stock would they tell you how that uh, works yeah, we'll be right back it's james and i've got to tell you that i sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the conservative citizens foundation the purpose of the conservative citizens foundation is to promote the principles of limited government individual liberty equality before the law property rights law and order judicial restraint and states rights while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions the conservative citizens foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural marxism i've worked with the good people at the conservative citizens foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement for more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines please check out their website americafirst.com that's m-e-r-i-c-a-1-s-t.com americafirst.com Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, James Edwards, Keith Alexander, we're kicking off March Around the World with the great and good Nick Griffin. Now, I want to get right into this as we continue on with the good news that Nick uh, is feeling and sensing and seeing in uh, the UK, Great Britain, all over the British Isles. Nick, I'm sure you are aware of the very odious Southern Poverty Law Center, who just last week published their 79th article, 79, uh, that has uh, attacked uh, yours truly and this program. And in that one article, they used the terms white supremacist, white nationalist, which they use interchangeably, a racist, neo-Nazi, all of that, the usual stuff, 43 times. They did a control F, a control find search, 43 times in one article. So, uh, do you think people are getting numb to that now? I think, you know, 20 years ago, when we first went on the air, nearly 20 years ago, that still had a lot of punch for people. People really feared that. And certainly if you're working for a woke corporation, your job could very much be at risk. If you're at one of these universities, your scholarship, your, your standing as a student could be at risk. But I think in the age of Donald Trump, 2015, 2016, seeing the Republican nominee for president and then the setting president of the United States for four years be called this incessantly. I think it's lost a little bit of its thing. I think, it, you know, people almost want to be called that now. I think they've certainly they've overplayed it, you know, applying it to people who it absolutely does not apply to, like Trump, you know, no way, shape or form. So it's partly that. Uh, I think it's partly because uh, it was always connected, this with the, the Second World War and the Nazi thing and so on. That generation's gone almost. So it's weaker because of that. And then also, one of the beautiful things about our people, but it's also a weakness of ours, is the tendency to stand up for the underdog. And 20, 30 years ago, it was still possible to look at the ethnic situation and so on and think that we were the top dog and that the various ethnic groups uh, were the underdog and we were being unfair to them. And I think it's now absolutely crystal clear to everyone except those who are deliberately, de deliberately denying it and especially to all the young people who've grown up and gone to school in multiracial areas and all the rest of it, it's very clear that we are now the victims of racism, that we're not people like you and me, me. We're not campaigning to crush others, to be mean to others. We're campaigning just to secure the basic human rights of our own people. I think that's, found, that's now so obvious that the old racist, white supremacist labels simply aren't working anymore. I agree with you 100%, obviously, and I was at a hotel last night in Mississippi. We were visiting some friends, and there was a group of people, middle-aged, working-class people, good-looking people, middle-aged to, to uh, you know, slightly senior citizens, I guess you could say, but they were smartly dressed, looked like a good crowd, and uh, they were just sitting back in the hotel lobby having a good time, and, and I went and just, you know, said hello and engaged them for a few minutes. And it only took, I, I tell you, Nick, and we didn't get into anything you know, ex explicit, but just, just talking to them for about five minutes, and they were sort of eating out of your hand politically. I think there is a vast number of people who are out there. If you talk to them privately, they are there. They are there with you implicitly, at, at least, and, and explicitly, too. I think they're just waiting for a leader. I think that the, the field is fertile, and we're waiting for that guy. People need to be led. People need a leader. I think that the conditions are more ripe now than at any point in my career. Would you agree with that? And then we'll toss it over to Keith. Yeah, I do indeed. Certainly in Britain, organizationally, it's a shambles. Uh, and the same is true in most other European countries, unfortunately, because the elite managed to work out how to deal with and smash and break up the real nationalist parties. But 
they did that partly in desperation because I think they saw what was coming. And the, as you say, the ground is now very, very fertile. And I think that something will explode. And I don't know whether it will be this year or next year, but there's going to come a time when history will look back and say, well, three months before this and three months after it, everything has changed. I think it's coming. It's coming pretty soon. Nick, this is Keith. I'm seeing two other things. One is we've always said on this program that in the South, at least, in the southern United States, liberalism is a mile wide and an inch deep. Now it's not even that deep. And there is one more thing. There were a lot of people before that would say, well, you know, poor liberalism, it went astray. You know, I was was for, I'm not for this third-wave feminism, but first-wave feminism I can live with, or the civil rights movement. Now these people are coming to us and saying, you know, you were right. The whole affair was rotten to the core right from the beginning. Uh, yeah. Are you getting any of that? Yeah, any well, feeling well, of that? Yeah, I, th- I think so. You know, when they were uh, asking for uh, to be to be allowed to sit in the same bus, people had sympathy for that. When they're asking for uh, trillions in reparations, you know, <laughs> it's becoming pretty stupid, isn't it? Really. And even if people it's, it's it's a camel's nose in the tent. That's, that's you... my money they're talking about. It's a camel's nose in the tent, as Arabs say. Don't let the camel's nose in the tent, because if you let so much as the nose in, the next thing you know, you'll be uh, the camel will be moved into your tent, and you'll be moved out. Well, it's interesting what Nick just said, because this this talks about the need for separation, and and, and really, uh, you know, here in America, and it may be this way in where you're, uh, in your port of call too, Nick. I mean, here in America, we are at least two separate nations. We're really more nations than that, but. Uh, organized under two political blocks, the red and the blue, the Republicans and the Democrats, but there are a vast number of nations here on in, in this living space, and you can see it, and it, it, the, the lines have become uh, more wide with each passing year. So just this last week in San Francisco, there was a panel studying the feasibility of reparations, and they recommended $5 million for every black in San Francisco. Now, how many of them actually... <laughs> can trace their lineage back to slavery how many of them came afterwards i mean it doesn't matter they're black and they're in san francisco it's five million dollars but uh but but you said something so profound i i quote it often even in my own talks now and i've mentioned it a couple of times in some of your subsequent appearances on this program i'll i'll, I'll stab at it uh, i'll paraphrase it'll get somewhere close to the mark but that uh, you'd said some years ago on this program but that the pack at uh, the path to victory by voting ourselves out of this situation may be closed, may be over, but that doesn't mean that our people are over. And to me, Nick, I don't care about arbitrary lines on a map, uh, geographical state lines or anything like that. I, I, I care about our people. And if our people can survive, yeah. it doesn't matter to me what form of government or what living space we've got so long as we're there. And, uh, you know, you had also talked about you know, with regards to, to Brexit and some of the elections that have taken place in Europe where people think they're doing the right thing. Uh, they think they're voting for the nationalist candidate. They think they're voting for something that's going to shake things up and break down the existing order. And that's good. I mean, they're going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah absolutely so. But as, as I said before, this is part of the, uh, the clever wickedness of the, the people in charge that they throw up or back uh, these parties which... People vote for, as you say, thinking it's going to change it. When everyone, they know that it's not going to change it. They're safety right. valves from the very beginning, or they're being used as such. So I still don't have, for everything I've said, I don't have any faith at all in the 
party political electorate electoral process. It's rigged. But uh, when the people as a whole simply no longer believe it, simply no longer obey, then all bets are off, aren't they? And I think we're getting, we're not at that stage yet, but we're in the pre-revolutionary stage. I would become absolutely confident of a revolution if only we had the demographics of a revolution, namely lots and lots and lots of young people. But for demographic reasons, we don't. So therefore, can you have a revolution by 15, 60-year-olds? I don't know. It's never happened in history. But I do know (laughs) that there's potential for some real, drastic, radical change. I also know that the elite are terrified of this. They're terrified of what they call populism, what is really just the, the awakened concern and will of the ordinary people. And the elites are desperate about that. And it's one of the reasons they're now pushing their various, the parts of their tyrannical agenda forward so far and so fast because they're afraid if they don't, they'll lose control. But they've got a target by the tail, haven't they? Because if they keep this up and go too fast, they're going to lose control in any case. Well, I heard somebody say the other day that it's like the elites are the Jackman Club and we are the Vendee. (laughs) Nick, let me give you this I don't even know if this is anecdotal evidence. I mean, this is this is I think pretty profound. So you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is a sitting, I guess Congress. I call them all congressmen out of habit. I guess she's a congresswoman. Yeah, but Marjorie Taylor Greene out of Georgia said just, and this was talked about on the show last week. Although it was my first Saturday off in about two years, but I listened, and Marjorie Taylor Greene had said that we need a national divorce. Now that to me is striking because. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago, the idea that you would have a sitting member of the United States House of Representatives tacitly calling for a secession of some sort, it was unfathomable. And it's not just that. It's not just you've got one member of Congress saying this. Uh, New poll came out this week. 47 percent of Republican voters, that's 47 percent of 60 million voters, say they want A national divorce as well, which is a euphemism for secession. We'll let Nick ponder. That's 47% of the Republican voters here in America, according to this mainstream poll. We'll let Nick ponder that during the break. We'll be right back with him next. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. Former President Trump is delivering the keynote speech as the Conservative Political Action Conference winds down near Washington, D.C. For seven years, you and I have been engaged in an epic struggle to rescue our country from the people who hate it and want to absolutely destroy it. The sinister forces trying to kill America have done everything they can to stop me, to silence you. Trump's remarks follow a presidential straw poll bringing the four-day gathering to a close. Speaking at a news conference, Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear talked about the lives lost after severe storms tore through the state on Friday. Sadly, we lost at least five Kentuckians. He went on to say that wind speeds surpassed 70 miles per hour, leaving nearly 400,000 people in the dark in Kentucky. Utility partners are working quickly to restore services, but this may take some time. This is very significant, widespread damage 
uh, throughout Kentucky. At least 11 storm-related deaths have been reported across the South. The three Michigan State University students who died in a February shooting will be awarded posthumous degrees. The university says they'll honor the legacies of Ariel Anderson, Brian Frazier, and Alexandria Verner by awarding the degrees at the spring commencement. One person is dead after a gas tanker exploded in Maryland. The truck was overturned in a fiery crash this afternoon. It exploded on a highway near a residential area. Multiple vehicles, one home, were caught in the blaze, and the driver of the tanker died at the scene. The Grizzlies' Jay Morant is being sidelined for at least two games after brandishing a gun on social media. The two-time NBA All-Star went live on Instagram in what appeared to be a strip club. Moran was shirtless and flashed what appeared to be a handgun next to his face. This is USA News. Attention, small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. Godfather of the European Union, Richard Kutunov Kalergi, published the plan for a united Europe and the ethnocide of the peoples of Europe. The encouragement of non mass non-white immigration was central to the plot. Since then, an unholy alliance of leftists, capitalists, and Zionist supremacists has schemed to promote immigration and miscegenation with the deliberate aim of breeding us out of existence in our own homelands. As indigenous resistance to this human genetic modification industry grows, the criminal elite seeks new ways to camouflage their project. First, their immigrant pawns were temporary guest workers. Then it was a multiracial experiment. Then they were refugees. Then the answer to a shrinking population. Different excuses, different lies. And asylum is just another one. But the real aim stays the same. The biggest genocide in human history. The final solution of the Christian European problem. This crime demands a new set of Nuremberg trials and you people will be in the dock. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't like to use the word iconic too often. It cheapens it, but that truly was an iconic speech by Nick Griffin, our guest right now, when he was a sitting member of the European Parliament, to his colleagues it was prophetic. in the European it, it, Parliament. And, and people are realizing now there's no way to put a, a, a spin on it anymore. They are intent upon replacing us everybody believes in the great replacement well and of course it's not a great replacement theory it's a great replacement fact and uh, the reason i played that we have played it before uh, when nick has been on but the reason i play it again tonight is 
Whatever happens going forward, and Nick, we were just saying 47% of uh, Republican voters want there to be some sort of a secession. How that looks, uh, I don't know. But when things begin to change, it opens up opportunities that didn't exist before. And even if they intend it to be one way, uh, perhaps our people can move in and uh, guide it even in a, a better path. But uh, in, Ohio, in Idaho, uh, just to give you a little more, in Idaho... Uh, just recently, the Greater Idaho Secession Bill passed the Idaho State House. So this is stuff that's not just being talked about on on fringe blogs. Uh, this is something that is being mentioned by sitting members of Congress. It is being passed by uh, state governments, okay, to look into this. And in Atlanta, the majority white affluent Buckhead is trying to secede from majority black uh, city of Atlanta. So. There's a lot of things going on, Nick, and when we do, when things do change, and I believe they will, I believe we'll leave to see it now. I didn't think that way five years ago. When things do change, and in a big way, and perhaps we're one economic collapse or nuclear war away from it, whether we have our own ethnostate, whether our uh, states become balkanized and we have a piece of it uh, to move forward in, or whether we can take back some form of government as it exists now, we will need people like you, Nick, giving speeches like that in whatever future our people have. Well, I certainly think that the drastic times when this becomes possible again are coming. Uh, and in the old days, and, and for you know, decades, more than 100 years now, nationalists and communists, for that matter, anyone who required a radical change in the system had to hope for an economic collapse. And you know, would it happen because the people in power didn't want it? And there's now this unique point that the people in power do want an economic collapse. They're working for a complete collapse of our system because they've declared war on uh, carbon energy, which is the basis of our civilization. So they haven't just declared war on carbon. They declared war on the modern industrial society. They declared war on us. And we're not now waiting for a collapse that may or may not happen. We're waiting for the end of the process of their deliberate destruction of our energy industry, our product, productive industries, our food industries, and distribution. They're taking the whole thing apart. So you can bet your life that there's a collapse coming on a scale, which will mean that it's not just at present the, you know, the, the, a majority of, or a near majority of Republicans are saying this thing's finished, we want out. I think that very soon when this thing really kicks in, you're, all going to see, you're also going to see the actual the working class base of the Democrats, not, their, not the ones who live on uh, either uh, social welfare uh, or the, they, they run the welfare state and so on. They run the bureaucracy, not them, but the ordinary people who still vote Democrat out of habit. They're not going to either. And you know, when this kicks in, this change is going to be so massive. It really is. One more factor I think we should look at. I don't know if you've got this in America yet, but in Britain, the, the insistence of the liberal left, they've gone so crazed on the LGBT and especially the T, the trans oh, yeah. thing, yes. that, they are for, that they are forcing traditionally minded ethnic minorities, including in Britain in particular, the Muslims, who we always thought, you know, the final war would be with them. Uh, in Scotland recently, the Scottish National Party is basically a communist organization, totally anti-nationalist. It's been running the government there up in Scotland, uh, and they've been imposing this trans mania to the extent that recently the Indians in Scotland, officially the organization, and the Muslim Council in Scotland, that's their governing body, they said, we can no longer support the Scottish National Party. So at that point, they moved to within a whisker of us, and of, of traditional Christians, in saying that 
our masters are so evil, so perverse, so satanic, that we will no longer stand with these people. But if they won't stand with them, then at least raises the question, they may not stand shoulder to shoulder with us, but can we carve things up so that they do their thing in their patch and we do our thing in ours? I don't know, but if we can, it's a damn sight better than what the elite have got planned for us. Amen. Well, sexual depravity as being a civil right is, I think, a bridge too far for most people. They've crossed that here. They're doing it over there. Yeah. What does man in the street over in your neck of the woods think about this Russian-Ukrainian war? And their um, role in it, if any. The, 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 uh, out of the people who are already woken up, radicalized by the, the COVID scandemic or by immigration, it's almost uh, wall-to-wall that they actually understand that we're on the wrong side. In fact, in this, and it's Russia is standing for Christianity and tradition, and the Ukrainian, it's part of the global homo assault on not just Russia, but on all of us. From the ordinary people, that, that necessarily hasn't yet sunk in, but there is no enthusiasm whatsoever for war. They regard it as a waste of lives over there, a waste of our taxes. We should have nothing whatsoever to do with it. So there's certainly no war hysteria, no war fever. There's a weariness, I think, that yet again the politicians are doing something bloody stupid and it's going to hurt us. And it is hurting us because, you know, the sanctions against Russia, they weren't really designed against Russia. They're designed against us. This is the elite, the World Economic Forum, etc. again, playing a trick of economic and energy suicide by Russia uh, so that they don't get the blame for it. But whether people understand it or not, they certainly understand that is not our war and we should stay well away from it. Well, what about fuel prices? Has the shoe begun to pinch over there yet? Oh, it's pinched terribly, especially uh, and we're used to high what you call gas prices, uh, but we are not used to high electricity and domestic gas prices uh, and coal and even wood and all the rest of it. Uh, and that is really pinching. And I think that, uh, again, ordinary people perhaps think they got away with it because the winter wasn't very cold. And they think, well, it was OK this winter. It could be OK next winter. And it won't be because of the year. Of course, the Europeans fill their reserve tanks up with Russian gas and Russian oil in the spring and summer of last year before the sanctions really bit. And it's this next winter, winter at the end of this year, that the tanks will be empty even going into it. And that is really, really going to hurt. And of course, it's not so bad for certainly the people running or ruining America and even for some Americans, because the energy craziness in especially Germany, France, Italy, Italy and Britain, the high prices is literally deindustrializing our countries. And a lot of those companies are actually looking to set up in the United States. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why the people ruining the United States are imposing this war on Eastern Europe. But one of them is simply money and simply the desperate desire to keep the dollar up for a little bit longer. So you can keep the dollar up by pushing the euro and the pound sterling down. You can keep America up by destroying Europe. And that undoubtedly is one of the tricks they're playing. I want to go back to something that you said a moment ago. I, I do think that people like you, people like Pat Buchanan, were a little bit ahead of, of, of the times. I mean, Buchanan, mm-hmm. especially about 20 years too soon, uh, 20, 25 years too soon, you, even though you did, of course, manage quite famously to be elected to, to European Parliament. I, I think the time is coming still perhaps closer now than it was, but uh, still a little, little bit more to go. Uh, but the conditions continue to ripen, and there will be someone like you, someone like Buchanan, that's going to step in yeah. 
and really just, I think, harness this energy. And we're waiting for that person. Uh, but I want to get back to a few other things uh, that we've been talking about uh, over the course of this hour, reasons for encouragement. And sometimes, you know, it's a mixed bag. I think when we have uh, Professor Drew Fraser on in the next hour from Australia, it's not quite as good over there domestically, at least the conditions may not be. And we'll talk to him about that. But uh, again, uh, Nick, uh, you've got now sitting governors, sitting Congress people uh, using the terms anti-white publicly advocating for some form of secession. You've got polls that show Republican voters are in favor of that. Uh, polls that show whites, Republicans believe that whites are being persecuted. White Christians especially are being persecuted. Poll after poll after poll. We've been citing for two years. I, I didn't... It just seemed like our best efforts, and, and I was always content to, to hurt the flock as best I could to be a good shepherd. I think the left... Conditions are favorable now because the left has gone so far so fast. They've done the work that they've gone hog wild and pig crazy. They've done the work we never could in waking up the people. and, And I think for so many reasons. We'll get more on that next with Nick Griffin. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. We are back, and uh, we're back for our final segment as we kick off March Around the World. How would you say it's going so far with Nick Griffin, Keith? Tell you what, onward and upward. That's all you can say, man. (laughs) While we like kicking off things with Nick, whether it's a year of broadcasting or this special series, it's always great to have him on. He's been on many times with us and many times still to come. Uh, We most certainly hope we're actually reconnecting with him uh, right now. We switched uh, phones during the break, and our production team's going to let us 
know when he comes back, and he's back right now. So, Nick, we were giving you, you know, some polls, some things that are being said now that you couldn't have imagined even just a few short years ago. I'm going to give you a couple of more, give you a chance to respond, and then uh, plug uh, anything you want to plug and tell us anything else uh, about what uh, you're up to that uh, our audience needs to know about. But uh, here again, former Congressman Steve King, there was a story about how some of these Ivy League schools are ditching ACT and SAT scores. No scores for college, no LSAT for law, maybe even no uh, MCAT for med school coming up, to which Steve King, former congressman, was in Congress as recently as just a couple of years ago. Equity, affirmative action, and mediocrity, the triune god of the left. And also, he tweeted out this television commercial now imagine this nick griffin this is a television commercial that is running on national stations here in the united states you would have never ever ever heard an ad like this on establishment television until uh, just the last couple of years here's how it sounds it's one minute long ever boarded a plane and thought to yourself, I hope the pilot is a transgender refugee. Have you ever gone to the emergency room and said, I hope my medical team is incredibly diverse. Have you ever moved to a new city and said, I hope the police department hit its equity goals for the year. If your answer to these questions was no, if you just wanted the most qualified candidates for the job, then you are normal. But we have a lot of very not normal people running America these days. Left-wing politicians believe skin color or gender identity should determine who gets the job. Democrats used to care about the middle class. Now they just care about your race and your gender. And as long as Democrats stay in power, it will just keep getting worse. Stop the bigotry. Stop the insanity. Paid for by Citizens for Sanity. All right, Nick, these are ads that are running on national television in the United States. Now, there was another ad just as good that was a little more racially focused that uh, ran uh, right before the midterms last year. These are Republican PACs that are running these ads, and they're running nationwide. Could you have foreseen that a few years ago? I couldn't have. Indeed, I couldn't. We've got nothing like that here in Britain, but uh, or even for that matter, I don't think in, in Europe as a whole, but... From, with us, it's from the grassroots rather than from, from partway up the political system. So I'll give you one example of great news from Europe to sort of to match that, uh, that the, the farmers in Holland are the ones who are being used as guinea pigs by the European Union and, in the end, the World Economic Forum for the destruction of farming. Uh, they're being forced to be bought out and closed down. Uh, and this has last year created a wave of protests and the farmers are back for more. The police have been brutal with them, literally shooting at tractors, farmers and tractors. Uh, and the, the Dutch farmers have now announced they're marching on The Hague. And they're talking about having 100,000, not just farmers on foot, but these men are coming with tractors and so on. And the police force just can't stand up against that if it kicks off. It's amazing to see this coming from the grassroots here over our side of the Atlantic. And it's great to hear of it coming from a bit higher up the chain over there. It's all going to coalesce, and great things are going to happen. And make no mistake, I mean, according to the polls, the, gra- the the reason why we're getting a little help from the middle tier here in the United States, certainly not the elites, but from the middle tier, is because the polls, when Republicans are polled, they are so far to the right now. They radicalized mm-hmm. in such a good way, and I use that word affectionately, not as a derogatory slur. Yeah. 
they have radicalized to such an extent that it is forcing at least some Republicans, not the head table, not the Mitch McConnells and the Mitt Romneys and people like that, but it's, it's forcing a lot of these conservative Republicans to move in our direction with regards to racial realities and the realities of multiculturalism because that's where the votes are now, Keith. Well, there was an article in Occidental uh, Descent, uh, Hunter Wallace's uh, website, about a near-miss airplane crash between a FedEx airplane and a Southwest airline, a commuter airline going to Cancun or something, caused by a black uh, air traffic controller. In fact, he made two big mistakes. And if the white pilots of the FedEx plane and of the Southwest plane had not had their eyes open and had just relied upon what they were being told, they would have had two opportunities to crash into one another. And see, this is... People, this is getting reported now. That's the type of thing that would never have been reported before. Did we lose Nick? No, no, I'm here. No. Oh, there he is. Okay, oh, there he is. Okay. I was just digesting that. Yeah, indeed. As you say, it wouldn't have been reported. But, um, and of course, it's happening more and more because we're reaching, it's been what now, probably 20 years that they stopped promoting people on merit what they could do and started promoting people on the basis of what they are and how many boxes they checked on the diversity uh uh tablet so and that that is like playing a game of jenga you can pull so many sticks out and nothing happens or blocks but sooner or later you pull out one more block and the jenga tower falls over or the plane crashes (laughs) <laughs> Let me read one more thing to you, Nick, and I want to give you the remainder of the hour, an hour that has gone by far too quickly with you, my friend, as it always does. And I want to thank you, as I always do, for you staying up so late, uh, well past midnight now, closing in on the 1 o'clock a.m. hour in your location. I want to read something once again. I don't want to you know, speak his name too often tonight, but uh, former Congressman Steve King, who's been on the show now three times uh, in uh, as many months, retweeted a Joe Sobrin quote just this week uh, from 1997. This is what the congressman tweeted out. The concept of envy, the hatred of the superior, has dropped out of our moral vocabulary. The idea that white Christian civilization is hated more for its virtues than its sins doesn't occur to us because it's not a nice idea. Western man towers over the rest of the world in ways so large as to be almost inexpressible. It's Western exploration science and conquest that have revealed the world to itself other races feel like subjects of western power long after colonialism imperialism and slavery have disappeared the charge of racism puzzles whites who feel not hostility but only a baffled goodwill because they don't grasp what it really means humiliation the white man presents an image of superiority even when he isn't conscious of it superiority excites envy destroying white civilization is the inmost desire of the league of designated victims that we call minorities that was tweeted out this week by a, a, a very recently former congressman uh, not long removed from the halls of congress something so, joe I, sobern said in 1997 yeah, the 97 of course i agree with that but it does just show we, we've tried to stack a little bit of evidence here both anecdotal and data driven that things are changing on different levels in ways that uh, and, and the scales us. are falling from people's eyes uh, last word to you on that nick and tell us what you're up to and how we can support you and uh, whatever else you're working on these days yep well it, so it's, it's great to hear it's great to see isn't it it's such an exciting time I do wish, although I suppose I'm in the position of being, you know, one of the one of the grand old men of this. 
uh, and having things like that. You know, there's so many young people in not just Britain, all over, who've heard that Kudnov-Kalergi speech of mine and so on. It really is uh, a classic, and it's influenced huge numbers of people. Uh, but I wish that I was 40 years younger and able actually to be leading this thing, uh, because you, know, you haven't got you haven't pretend, you haven't got the energy at the age of 64, 65. I think I have. But, you know, realistically, you haven't. We need younger men coming forward. And I'm sure we're going to get them because the times are calling for the men of our race. And whenever that happened in the past, those men have stepped forward. And it's for us older ones like thee and me, James, and Keith for that matter, that uh, we're here to help and advise them. And with a combination of our experience and their youthful energy, we can have our saving revolution. Uh, Nick, you've got decades left in you, brother. Uh, you, you have a whole other act in you that you haven't even you haven't even fathomed yet. I, I, I tell you, your your best days are still coming. I hope, uh, and I hope that we'll get to see you in person sometimes soon. I know it's hard for people like us to travel where we where we want to go, and yeah, you never know where you wind up in a jail somewhere. It's harder for me. I'm banned from traveling outside of Britain. I literally cannot travel anywhere. So you'll have to come and see my, me, my friend. You'll have to come and see me. Uh, until then, if, if you are, I'd be love to come back on the show again, hopefully sooner than last time. There's various things. You asked the question about what's motivating the World Economic Forum and so on. I've got, I think, a great answer. We haven't got time tonight, so you have to have me back on for that. In the meantime, if your viewers want to think more of what I'm saying, join me on Telegram, please, at t.me forward slash Nick Griffin, or follow me on Twitter. I'm still there. As Nick Griffin BU, that's um, rather uniform, but Nick Griffin BU. Or if you want to, if people want to see what I'm writing, come along and look at KnightsTemplarOrder.com and look at the bookstore and the two Deus Vault books, Ray Conquista of the West and the Great Reset Resistance. I haven't written them all, but I wrote a lot of the chapters, and I'm the editor. And well, I think James, you reckon they're good books. And I think your judgment is very good. So that, again, is KnightsTemplarOrder.com. Have a look at the articles that I write a lot of and look at the bookstore. Hey, and let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so many of you already have done that. Uh, by the way, Nick's Twitter handle at the top of our, uh, the royal R, the royal we, uh, the, the, the one for the program, the one for me, James Edwards TPC. We link over to Nick Griffin's Twitter handle there. It's at the top of my Twitter page uh, promoting tonight's appearance. So link over to him there. And so many of you, we have actually used both of those books you just mentioned in fundraising incentives, and we couldn't get enough shipped from the UK. They had to keep shipping them. I think we did about what, three different orders for, uh, for one and at yeah. least a couple on the second. And so a lot of you listening out there tonight have already received these books and even more, uh, I know, have bought them. Uh, independent of getting them from us. So they are great books, and it's full of practical information that you will need to survive what's coming, to keep your family safe until order can be restored. We do believe that that day will come, but it doesn't mean it's going to be uh, a very peaceful transition between now and then. So we want to do everything we can to uh, act right and to be safe and to take precautions. These books let you know how to do that. Nick had a heavy hand in these books, as he just mentioned. Brother Jim over there as well, uh, one of our good friends. And we'll talk to him and Nick again soon. Nick, thank you so much. Safe travels back home when you get thank there. You, and uh, we'll talk to you again very soon. God bless you and Godspeed. Yes. Drew Fraser Good is standing. Yes, indeed. God bless you. And I'll email you tomorrow and we'll get it all uh, up and running. Uh, Drew Fraser in Australia is standing by. So from... Great Britain, the United Kingdom, whichever you prefer, to Australia we go. And we're going there now. We're going there next. Stay tuned, everybody.
In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting-edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly-minted driver a brand-new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You're listening to the Political Cesspool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607 607- Two zero three five four two three. That's six zero seven two zero three five four two three. The team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Resco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life. Before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com.
You're listening to Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. says every time drew fraser's on you better run you better take cover and uh, <laughs> hey where else can you go from northern ireland where nick griffin was in the first hour to australia where we are this hour yeah. all in the span of just a single commercial break but here we are that's what yeah. we do here on tpc's march around the world yeah. and we're kicking off the series in grand fashion tonight nick griffin Paul Fromm coming up in the next hour, but right now, once again, representing Australia during our world tour is Drew Fraser, uh, the former professor of law at Macquarie University in Sydney and author of the WASP question. Now, he's back tonight to discuss a few things with us, including the end of Australia Day. What does that mean? What's that all about? We're about to find out. And he's going to promote his newest book, Reinventing aristocracy in the age of woke capital but before he does any of that let's say hello to him drew how are you down in the land of oz tonight or today I, I, as it were. it's a sunday afternoon for you yes that's right a beautiful sunny day in the blue mountains behind sydney it's tough I'm jealous living in i tell paradise. you what blue mountains of sydney or uh memphis keith what do you think <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you ever come here, I want to take you to my church. It's a Reformed Anglican church. And I tell you, they oh, are man. finding a good church is just as scarce as hen's teeth nowadays. It's uh, I don't know yeah. what it's like over there in uh, Australia, but I feel so blessed to have a good church to go to. And I know that James feels the same way. He's got the yeah. fundamentalist background, and he's finally, but, you know, yeah. they ran him and his uh, church out of the Southern Baptist Convention. So, you know, it's, yes. it's not a, you know, everybody's suffering from the same uh, disease now. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, sidetrack what we want to talk to Drew about right now, but it was Drew uh, from whom that I stole the line MSNBC at church that I've used so much. He literally wrote the book, <laughs> Dissident Dispatches, an alt-right guide to Christian theology, which was one of our fundraising incentives some uh, months, uh, some years ago now, actually not just months, but some years ago now. 
uh, and, and talking about how these seminaries now is like going to the Communist Party at prayer. <laughs> it's just uh, we've had some great conversations with Drew about that, but that that's a different conversation right now. Hey, this is what we do on the uh, march around the world. How are things going in Australia? Nick Griffin in the first hour was particularly upbeat about the grassroots of uh, of his island. Uh, how about your island continent, uh, Drew? Uh, same Any signs uh, of life? <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, I, I've been searching, but it's uh, I have it's uh, kind of disappointing, I'd have to say. But we will see. I mean, there there is um, a part. Uh, well, have you you haven't heard about the referendum on the voice for Aboriginals here? Have you? Well, the and what I'm talking about. I had no idea is, you had uh, so many Aborigines down there. Well, well, the numbers are increasing as the benefits are expanding. So the uh, <laughs> there's a lot of complaints about geno Aboriginal genocide, but for some reason they are the fastest growing population group in Australia because it's becoming quite. Um, advantageous to be aboriginal in australia and the leaders well and and the it's a strange thing the as the population grows their skin color on average seems to become fairer it's a, a kind of a genetic marvel but anyway <laughs> yeah the uh, one of the one of the advantages to being Australia uh, to being Aboriginal in Australia, uh, in the future, if the government has its way, will be that they will have in effect a third House of Parliament all to themselves, and the this House is of Lords. Uh, well the House of basically fair-skinned Aboriginal. I think it will yeah, probably turn that'll out. That'll be their to version of the like. House of Lords over there. They're the people yeah, of, yeah, of that's, know, yeah. high pedigree. The new aristocracy, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there will be a referendum on this uh, so, sometime in the near future. Um, and all the stops are out uh, in, in order to bully and shame uh, the Anglo-Australian population, the people who created the Commonwealth of Australia, to vote yes on this referendum, and um, I and of course, you you there is no uh, avenue or medium through which opposition to this can be expressed. So, whether or not. Uh, people will resist is a very good question. Um, and I, I am hoping and praying that people will just simply refuse to go along with it. But any, well, it's anyone's guess. Okay, all right. So everybody's an Aborigine now. <laughs> That's We're all Aborigines now. We're all Aborigines now. It pays better. Yeah. Uh, what, what, yeah. Let me ask, this is, a, this is an aside as well. Uh, what about uh, what happened in your sister uh, nation down there, New Zealand? Uh, Jacinda Asern is a, 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 a. How do you say her last name? I don't know. Ar Ardern. Ardern yeah. is out. Uh, what yeah, happened there? Yeah. Well, I, 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 she just ran out of gas, apparently. 
Uh, and there are a number of theories Not as to why. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I don't know, but it seems to be a pattern, doesn't it? I mean, it's much like the Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland, uh, who kind of uh, made a, a big mistake in the tranny issue, uh, and he abandoned that ship. Uh, and so Jacinda Ardern is, is not very popular there, or she wasn't uh, very popular prior to her resignation. And I think uh, she just decided that um, she would look for some prestigious international job and bail out. Uh, why do you think you it know, is that whenever there we need are one of those? Well, why you know, it seems like whenever there is a nut running for the head position in any Western country is, you know, nine out of ten times a woman. I don't know what it is. It's just. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, oh, there's a lot of male nuts. Well, we had we, 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 we dodged a bullet with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's it's really gone. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, all right, all right. Hey, well, I, I think they're into that uh, checking on. the boxes. Hold things. on, well, we got Lauren women, women check two with... two or three boxes. We got to take a break. We're back with Drew next. Stay tuned, everybody. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Solzhenitsyn and the Right, the Open Society Playbook, Opioids for the Masses, and many more. There's something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to go to antelopehillpublishing.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Hey guys, Gregory Hood here with American Renaissance, and I've got a very simple question for you. Can you build a nation on nothing other than self-hatred? <laughs> Recently, Australia celebrated Australia Day, which commemorates the arrival of the First Fleet under Captain Arthur Phillip, the arrival of the European settlers, the founding of Australia. 
It's the fundamental national holiday, the equivalent of America's 4th of July, and is marked with the usual celebrations, parades, cookouts, inclusive activities everyone can participate in. Or at least they used to be able to, because it looks like Australia itself is now being cancelled. In fact, Australia Day is now being turned into a day of mourning. If you're American, this should sound familiar, because it's the same thing that happened to Columbus Day. Take Wollongong University, where Australia Day is being called Invasion Day, and employees are being given the choice whether to take the day off or work as a kind of protest. For our First Nations colleagues, this is clearly they don't want to recognize as celebration, said the Vice Chancellor. This year, the Australian Open did not even recognize Australia Day. No fireworks, no national anthem. But don't worry, it had a First Nations Day and a glam slam event for LGBT and whatever else they have these days. Okay, so great video at American Renaissance. Gregory Hood sitting in for Jared Taylor for that weekly uh, video that they do. And this time, uh, just uh, fresh uh, as of a few days ago, uh, they are talking about the end of Australia Day. Now, when Drew sent me that via email, I said, well, we got to talk to Drew about that because he's coming up here for March Around the World. Drew, uh, your equivalent of the 4th of July got canceled. What's going on over there? Well, it hasn't happened yet. And I, and, and again, it's, it's uh, the opposition to this is pretty much has to remain underground because you can't get any exposure to that, uh, that opposition in the mainstream media or as you just heard in the academic world or among the political class you know so uh but i i think it would be it will be deeply unpopular should they try try to cancel it but the interesting thing is about that video is that I it uh, I I learned uh, as a result of that video that Australia Day had only been made an official national holiday in the early 1990s, which was kind of news to me because I came here in 1975, and I can't remember a time when Australia Day wasn't celebrated. I can't remember whether you got a day off or not, but it was just a thing about Australia. You know, it it marks the the end of, uh, at the what the day after Australia Day is when the school year starts and so on. So it it's always been kind of a big deal for. And certainly the Anglo-Australian majority population. And uh, I think if they really keep pushing this, uh, they will be sorry. I hope. Well, they, it yeah. sounds like they've let the air out of that balloon. And uh, where is Crocodile yeah. Dundee when we need him? Yeah, and I tell you, if you, if you actually right. go back and watch the Crocodile Dundee yeah. movies, they are very politically incorrect, almost shockingly yeah. so. Now, I grew up on the Crocodile Dundee yeah. movies. The first one came out about 1990. I was 10 yeah. years old. Yeah, I, I rewatched it with my kids because I wanted them to and see it. See, we had you the can't idea even that imagine. Australia was filled with Crocodile Dundees, these politically incorrect uh, guys well, that would whip your ass. They have some that. Aborigines in the movie, yeah. but they kind of help Crocodile Dundee, and they're his friends. But yeah, yeah so let me ask yeah. you this: I want to ask. I don't want to ask Drew this because he has to live there. Let's just say, in an imaginary <laughs> world, whites never found Australia. What does Australia look like under complete Aboriginal? Like what it the would North Sentinelese Island, North yeah. Sentinel Island. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it would yeah. be uh, it would be a big wildlife preserve. 
Yeah, so, it I mean, be, why... Go ahead, Drew. I was saying, if there were, had been no whites here in 1941, presumably it'd be part of greater Japan now, but... That's true. Somebody would have taken it. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I quote Sam Dixon so often it's embarrassing. I, I embarrass myself and I embarrass Sam, I'm sure, by doing it. But I, I don't know anybody who puts things better than him. I mean, maybe some can do it as well, yeah. but not better. Anyway, I love Sam and I know he tunes in from time to time. And I don't do it because of that. I do it because, well, this is spot on. So this whole thing, we took the land from the indigenous. We took the land from the, what they call the First Nations, the Indians, the Aborigines. Whites are constantly attacked. Uh, sometimes I have Sam send me emails just so I can pocket some of this stuff and post it. Uh -huh. uh, whites are constantly attacked for taking America from the Indians and daring to build a civilization on the land being occupied by hundreds of tribes, maybe thousands of quarreling squatters. Uh, the best reply has to include the fact that the Indians conquered each other for territory before Europeans arrived and that the latter only did what humans have been doing for millennia all over the world. You can reinforce that position mm -hmm. by contrasting what the white Christians did uh, with what the Indians did when they conquered another tribe. Mm -hmm. There are no mound builders left because the Cherokees and the Creeks simply exterminated them. The Indians didn't create mm -hmm. reservations or casinos for conquered peoples to enable them to survive, maintain their languages and religions and so on. Only white Christians did this. So here's the, here's the, here's the point. Since all of the Indian, and I'm sure Aboriginal tribes uh, as well in your neck of the woods, uh, Drew, in existence conquered and exterminated some other people, if we were to blame for people like our ancestors for conquering others, then the clock should not start when we arrived, but earlier on. And if that is done, then the racist, genocidal, xenophobic First Nations got what they deserve. But I don't think people are look, thinking yeah. about it that way. But I'm sure that's the way it was in Australia, too. Oh, yes. Absolutely. In, in fact, I mean, it's really interesting to contrast Australia, the position of Aborigines prior to British colonization here, to the situation in New Zealand, where the New Zealand, the Maoris in New Zealand were sufficiently organized. Um, and were involved in genocidal wars with each other that they actually exactly. begged the British to come in and establish some kind of regime that would calm things down. Um, but they were organized enough to get the British to do that. The Aboriginal tribes here hadn't even reached that level of political self-consciousness and so on so they couldn't yeah, pull piss it, out of the boot as we say over here <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right but so who's got the who's at the top of the diversity totem pole in australia right now the aboriginals who didn't the, the dumber the better is quite, that it? contribute quite as much to the continent i'm sure i didn't yeah. i don't think the aborigines would have built the Sydney Opera House by now had uh, whites not landed no, there, but you know, no, for instance. But no. uh, who who sits uh, higher? And Sydney Opera House looks like an Aborigine built it to me. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Come on now, Keith, get out of here. Postmodernism. No. Well, I mean, whatever. But the cities then. Uh, any event. So, do, are, are they getting the preferential treatment over there, Drew? I mean, what what are the uh, white Australians? Uh, they're sort of like well, down the ladder, I guess. What? Why? I mean. White Australians really, white is a term of abuse here as it is in, well, throughout the Anglosphere, let's face it. I mean, 
Uh, and it it's uh, re really there 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 are are signs of resistance though. I mean, even this thing about Australia Day. Many I've heard a lot of people uh, in our sort of camp, let's say, uh, who are quite prepared to say, "Hey, let's that's a good idea. Let's call it Invasion Day and celebrate it." Because really, that's what really was the best thing that ever happened to the average. Yeah, can you imagine, imagine how backward the Anglosphere would be if the English yeah. settlers had not come over to Canada, America, yeah. Australia, yeah. New Zealand, Rhodesia, yeah. South Africa? All yeah. the they turned all of those backwaters Everywhere into garden they, spots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, if, yeah, if you had a temperate climate, they would turn, yeah. uh, turn, turn into a miracle land that... Yeah. People from all over the world want to flock to now. Hey, hey, you guys do realize, don't you, that the uh, British settlers to in Canada were largely loyalists who were thrown out of the newly independent the United the States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Australia That's was right. just a prison so, colony, um, right? <laughs> Even our prison. Well, look, look <laughs> everywhere you went, went. Look, our ancestors. If you if you're an American or an Australian or whatnot, your ancestors were not, as mm -hmm. my grandma used to say, from the top dresser drawer. You know, basically yeah. they scrubbed out the bottom of the jails. Right, and, for here and, in America too. And, I mean, and, it, it was the recalcitrants that came. Yeah. It wasn't the people in high society. Yeah. yeah. And what happened was, it was yeah. you know the people were so talented at the bottom of the strata of society over there they've come in here once they got away from that pernicious class system in england which is almost a caste system and had reasonable uh yeah. reasonably fertile land in a temperate uh locale they worked miracles yeah mm -hmm. yeah right, I, I, in this area so go ahead no no i was just gonna say well i was gonna say finish it we only got seconds remaining here's what we'll do Hold that thought. Hold it tight. We're going to get to it when we come back. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the last half of uh, this hour with Drew Fraser talking about his newest book. You don't want to miss it. We'll tell you all about it. Pursuing Liberty. Using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Dave Collins. Former President Trump delivered the keynote speech tonight as the Conservative Political Action Conference comes to a close. The sinister forces trying to kill America have done everything they can to stop me, to silence you, and to turn this nation into a socialist dumping ground for criminals, junkies, Marxists, thugs, radicals, and dangerous refugees that no other country wants. Before he wrapped up things, he took a shot at Joe and Hunter Biden. Dad, we have a problem. I left my laptop up at the repair shop and joe looks at him and says what's on it son what's on it and hunter looks back and he says every single crime that you've ever committed dad florida governor ron DeSantis skipped the annual cpac event president biden has a possible new competitor for the white house robert f kennedy jr told a crowd in new hampshire he may make a run for the white house uh, i'm thinking about it um, Kennedy saying I passed the biggest hurdle which is that my wife has green lighted it but there is one issue that may not sit well with his fellow Democrats Kennedy is a longtime anti-vaxxer even heading the group Children's Health Defense that was kicked off social media for misinformation about COVID-19 
And all of these injuries that I speak about to children, there is no bigger issue for our country than that. He joins a short list of Democrats that are eyeing a potential challenge to President Biden's re-election bid. I'm John Schaefer. Flight delays and cancellations are being blamed on winter storms across parts of the country. According to FlightAware, more than 700 flights have been canceled, over 1,800 delayed today due to strong winds and heavy snow. And there is still plenty of time for you to buy a ticket for tonight's Powerball jackpot worth $161 million to anyone who correctly picks all six numbers. This is USA News. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare. What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-215-5141. That's 800-215-5141. And, of course, a little snippet from the Crocodile Dundee theme. And, you know, they made three of those movies. But the first one was really, really good. The first one I think everybody liked. That shows the uh, intellectual bankruptcy of Hollywood. You know, <laughs> they can't come up with new scripts. They just have to <laughs> rework old ones. And if they find something that's successful, you're going to have. How many Rocky movies did they have, for example? A couple too many. (laughs) Well, you know, Virginia Abernathy splits her time in Australia. I bet if she and Drew ever got together, that'd be just like an intellectual nuclear. It'd be like nitro and glycerin getting together uh, in terms of intellect. But in any event, uh, Drew uh, Fraser, Andrew Fraser, is uh, back with us uh, from Australia tonight. And I want to remind you of uh, two of his other books uh, that you need to know before we talk about his latest, which uh, just came out last, uh, late last year. Uh, but interestingly, and totally coincidentally, a review for this book by Nelson Rosett was published today. Of all days, I had no idea it was going to be Occidental Observer. On, on Kevin McDonald's website, The Occidental Observer. How to Create a New Elite just came out today. The review of this book we're about to be talking about, Reinventing Aristocracy in the Age of Woke Capital, just came out today as we're having Drew on tonight. Now, let me first tell you, though, about his uh, other two books, Dissident Dispatches, An Alt-Right Guide to Christian Theology. I probably need to say no more. It talks about Drew's... uh, I ought to have a chapter on you in that book. (laughs) It talks about his uh, uh, time uh, in seminary and... uh, 
Well, it gives uh, an ethno-patriotic uh, concern to the fueling growth of the uh, alt-right movement. Uh, it rejects the ongoing uh, spiritual degeneration and uh, uh, demographic displacement of every white uh, European ethno-nation. Very, very interesting read. So much so we offered it as a fundraising incentive. And, of course, the, the book I, I think uh, previous to now, Drew was best known for, was The Wasp Question, which deals with the question of Anglo-Saxon life in the United States, Australia, and everywhere across the world where they have settled. Uh, that is a book absolutely everybody needs to read. You can still find it at Amazon, if you can believe it, The Wasp Question uh, by Andrew Fraser. But now let's talk about reinventing aristocracy in the age of woke capital. Drew, it's your latest book, uh, Making Some Waves. Tell us what the subject and the content and the message of the book is, and then we're going to dive into it. Okay, well, I mean, I, I suppose to explain the essence of the book, it, I can go back to my experience in law school when I studied corporate law. And I remember being very surprised at the notion that a business corporation had within it this little body politic, that the business corporation had uh, shareholders who had votes at a general meeting. And I, th I thought that was a, a really good idea. Of course, the problem was that the uh, distribution of voting power was on the basis of one share, one vote which meant naturally enough that if you have 100,000 shares, you get 100,000 votes. And if you only have one share, you only get one vote. So essentially you wind up with a, a plutocratic uh, oligarchy. But then, so the, I, I started to uh, think about this over the years and I, I discovered a very interesting thing that in the, in in business schools and so on, when people study the corporations, when they write about the corporations, that nobody can actually explain why there is this sort of body politic within the corporation. And indeed, the dominant theory of the corporation is that it's it's not really, it doesn't really exist. It's just a nexus of contracts. It's just a convenience in transactional terms. But then the question arises, if that's so, why, why can't uh, the guys at the bottom of the heap who only have one or a few shares sell their voting rights? I mean, if it, if it doesn't really matter, why, why, and, and why do they keep sending out letters to shareholders asking for their proxies? I mean, if, it, if the vote doesn't matter, why have it at all? Why, and, but of course, the answer to that is that the corporation isn't just a nexus of contracts. It's a very powerful, especially in the American context, the business corporation is a very powerful private government. Uh, and that really raises a lot of questions about legitimacy. And it was that problem of the relationship between corporate power 
and constitutional legitimacy that I was trying to deal with in this book. And the way I dealt with it was by saying that actually, we what we really need is to essentially recognize that shareholder democracy clearly doesn't work because on a one share, one vote basis. So why not just have two classes of corporate shares, uh, some of uh, which are, you could be used to constitute a shareholder's uh, Senate on the basis of one share or, or one person, one vote. Um, so that you would actually have a body of shareholders who are ready, willing, and able to take responsibility for the risks and costs that corporations impose on society at large. That's the essence of the book. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew, this is Keith. Um, you know, we've had classes of stock before in law and whatnot. We had preferred yeah. stock. We've had uh, non-voting, all sorts of different things. And corporate elites are just another group of elites that have let us down. Um, and I don't know why we would expect that to be any different now with a new uh, invention of it. I was, I was watching something. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Little Foxes. Have you ever seen that? No, Betty no, Davis, never even heard of Georgia, it. 1941. It's about a southern oh, I'll family. Oh, check it out. Yeah. See, and, and the patriarch is this old aristocratic southerner who's ill and had to go to, like, Maryland for special treatments. He's confined to a wheelchair, and he comes back, and his scheming wife and her family are trying to steal money out of his uh, accounts so they can invest in a cotton mill and he thinks a cotton mill is a terrible thing for the town it will be destructive of the life of the town and he yeah. doesn't want it but uh, you know guess who wins in the end they and on broadway the star was tallulah bankhead in the movie it was betty davis but you know uh they're both uh, i would tell you what both are but i wouldn't want to slander female dogs <laughs> you know <laughs> but see what we have is that you know the the worst guys have been winning all along, and now it's gone, at least during my childhood and yours and most of our middle age, you could depend on corporate leadership to be focused with a laser-like beam on making profits. Now they seem to have given that all up for woke capital, and I'm scratching my head saying, what in the world has taken, you know, it's like that movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy or something, where the yeah. you know, Coke bottle mm -hmm. falls out of the airplane. I'm just, yeah. you know, and you're seeing things like, for example, Mike Lindell, the guy that has my pillow, used to sell yeah. a lot of his products through Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond came out against him because he was such an adamant and active Trump supporter. And then he got the word out that they had done that, and now Bed Bath & Beyond is in bankruptcy. But do, nothing seems to stop these people. Uh, what, t tell us about this. You know, it, it, you would think that it would be elementary that if you go woke, you go, uh, I mean, if you go woke, you go broke. But, uh, you know, everything has been taken over by these people. And, it, and it, you know, are they all on the take or have they all suffered uh, mental illness at the same time? Well, they just, they just well, want I, to I think avoid being the negative reaction from the press. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the, the problem is, I mean, essentially corporate plutocracy. I mean, and when the people who control corporations, I guess there are only so many billion dollars you can accumulate, uh, you know, and to the point where getting more, the marginal utility of more money is less significant to you than power. And the, the, the corporate plutocracy in the world today is a very closely knit uh, group of people. Hold on right there, Drew Fraser. We'll be back with you in Australia for one more segment next. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44, gave the left evil, spiritual power the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him the beast his power. Revelation 13, 2. The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. I'm having way too much fun, ladies and gentlemen, way too much fun on the radio tonight with guests like this kicking off another stellar march around the world already. Nick Griffin, now Drew Fraser, Paul Fromm, uh, Paul Fromm still to come in Canada next in our third and final hour tonight. I could have spent the entire show all three hours with any one of these three. What an embarrassment of riches tonight, and they have all been entirely on point. This kicks off. A very special series throughout the month of March. And then, of course, in April, our Confederate History Month series will run throughout that month of programming. So between March and April, you're looking at eight consecutive weeks from now until the end of April of uh, just very unique 
and informative content here on TPC. I'm James Edwards, Keith Alexander, Drew Fraser in Australia, and we're talking about his latest book, Reinventing Aristocracy in the Age of Woke Capital. Now, uh, this was published by Arctos Media, fantastic European publishing house, uh, last year, late last year, very new book, very new book, uh, so new, in fact, that the... A uh, review of it for the Occidental Observer just was published today, as we just mentioned, and we encourage you to read it, How to Create a New Elite by Nelson Rosett. And uh, I'll tell you the chapters. There are four chapters, Aristocracy and Democracy in the Era of Reflexive Modernization, Corporations and the Economic uh, Logic of Efficiency, Corporations and the Political Realities of Power, and Corporations and the Constitutional Genesis of Civic Authority. There's an epilogue, The Rebel in Paradise. Uh, I wonder who that could be. And also a foreword by our very good friend, Roger Devlin. But there's one more thing to this book, Reinventing Aristocracy in the Age of Woke Capital. By the way, you can find it at Amazon.com. Just type in, I don't know if my search queries on Amazon are skewed because of the kind of content I normally uh, look for. But when I type in uh, the name Andrew Fraser, F-R-A-S-E-R, uh, this is the first thing that comes back to me, and uh, the WASP question is the second, so I think you'll be able to find it as well. But there is a, uh, a subtitle to this book, How Honorable WASP Elites Could Rescue Our Civilization from Bad Governance by Irresponsible Corporate Plutocrats. And that's the question to Drew now. How could honorable WASP elites, and surely there must be some out there that are waiting to identify themselves. I have a hard time tracking them down, but how can they rescue us, Drew? Well, in a sense, you can go, what needs to happen is to go back to the origins of the American Business Corporation in the aftermath of the American Revolution. The American Revolution was quite a radical event. It, it meant that uh, popular power was seen to be a real threat to the Yankee standing order in New England, okay? So in that context, uh, the uh, business uh, and uh, professional elites and financial elites in New England really had uh, uh, the idea that, okay, they might not be able to control the legislatures in Massachusetts or Connecticut or New Hampshire, but they could actually ensure uh, the continuance of their power and influence over society through the by using the business corporation as a vehicle, and not just the business corporation. I mean, educational corporations like Harvard University. Uh, religious or ecclesiastical corporations like the churches, which were organized as corporate entities as well. And that's what they did. So banks, insurance companies, turnpikes were established. And the interesting thing is that these people were so influenced by their, what could you say, Puritan heritage that they weren't just totally focused on doing well, they also wanted to do good. And so there was a kind of a, an understanding among them, the, among the shareholders in the corporation, that unless 
the corporate charter provided otherwise, the default position would be that every shareholder had an, a, an equal vote or they were sort of staggered, you know, you so the person, ideally, it would be on the Republican basis that the the corporation body politic was a little republic, and every shareholder was a citizen of that uh, republic, and they had equal votes. Uh, now, obviously, in the modern world, that isn't going to work. But but if if you have a a class of shareholders who do have a certain minimum stake in the corporation, so they've got something to lose, and you need to somehow counterbalance the uh, presently irresponsible power of corporate managers, think of companies like the Norfolk Southern Railway, right? I mean, would it be better to have a class of shareholders who just basically want to do good, want to essentially be an advocate for the best interests of the corporation and of the society at large, giving recognition to the fact that this corporation is really powerful. It can do a lot of good, but it can also do a lot of damage. That's the the question here. Should we see the try to organize corporate governance on Republican principles? Yes or no? This is Keith. Let me. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm sure that all these woke activists will say, well, yeah, that's who we are. We're trying to make the corporation responsible to the best interests of society. The trouble is their best interest of society vision is so contrary to common sense that most people just throw up their hands. I, uh, You know, I, you may have read some of these things about the... Indian CEO virus that seems to be going on. Oh, yeah. A lot of corporations. Yep. 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 Well, you have one of those. Uh, it's like <clears throat> Memphis is like the uh, microcosm for the whole world. FedEx had a wasp uh, head, a guy that went to Yale, was a member of Skull and Bones, Fred Smith, a native yep. Memphian. And he got this idea. He turned in a term paper. Uh, made a C on it in his econ class. He decided he was going to do this. He, uh, you know, was flying out to... Uh, Got a C on it and made FedEx out of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, see, but now he's had forced on him by Larry Fink of BlackRock, an Indian CEO. Now, I don't know if the title is just ceremonial and he's picking up a, a, a paycheck and Fred Smith is really running the place, but... You know, it seems like we're, you know, we're looking like the uh, Marines were for a few good men at the top. Yep. What I see is, for example, Ron DeSantis taking on Walt Disney Enterprises now. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to force wokeness on the state of Florida, and Florida is trying to inflict common sense on them, and he's telling them that, I'm taking away all of your governmental benefits. You won't be able to run the place. You won't be able to control your taxes, all this, that, and the other. 
And Disney had their own police and fire department. Yeah, all of that. He's making. He's basically daring them to pick up and run. And if he does, he'll probably have the state take over the whole uh, shebang and run it with common sense. But it's just, you know, I don't know where to turn. So many of our elites have let us down now. I mean, our elites have been uh, the most traitorous. And, and the, one, and the ones who may believe, like, we, there's no shortage of millionaires and multimillionaires and even billionaires in America, but uh, they're hiding their candle under the bushel. Not only are they not act- actively out there in, in the fight, Drew, they're not even donating money. Well, not only that, they're well, fighting you know, against I mean, the interests of the working class and the lower middle class. Okay, yes, that's true. And, and, and so the problem is, how do we reinvent a ruling class that is a responsible group of people. Uh, And I think really, as I was saying earlier, that this really is a job that can only be done by the ethnic group, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants who actually first invented the American Business Corporation. If there are other ethnic groups, the Indians, the Jews, the Chinese, and so on, who do not have that tradition of Republican civic virtue. And fair Anglican, play. sorry? And, and, an but, and, fair uh, and fair play, that's right, these are, Anglo-Saxon virtues, and they need to be cultivated again. The question is, how do we get do that? You know, that's uh, all I'm trying to do in this book is set out uh, 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 the vision of way the way things could be. Now we have to figure out how to get there. Well, I'll tell you what, we need more people like Nick Griffin in Parliament. We need more people like Drew Fraser leading universities, and uh, they've both been yeah. there. And churches. Yeah. yeah, and churches. Yeah, that's right. Drew, you can and pick. And churches. You, you, want to lead a ch- yeah. you want to lead a church or a yeah. university. In our ethno state, yeah. you get to pick. But uh, yeah. anyway. Every, every cultural institution we have, from businesses to churches to universities, has gotten to be rotten at the core, and I don't know how yeah. to correct it. Well, here we are and, in media. And I, know, and I appreciate your giving a, sh- a shot at this. It, it just uh, it seems like an overwhelming problem. Talking about taking it from yeah. theory to practice, here we are in media. <laughs> Nick in the first hour has taken it to, uh, to, to, to Parliament, and Drew has been there a, 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 as a professor yeah. at a major university. And listen, folks, we're out of, t- out of this hour. I'm looking at the clock. I can't believe it. An hour with Drew Fraser already come and gone down there in Australia. But uh, reinventing aristocracy in the age of woke capital. Andrew Fraser, go to Amazon.com. It's an Arctos uh, title. Uh, Andrew Fraser, reinventing aristocracy in the age of woke capital. Go to Amazon.com and buy it. It is priced to sell. And I love his other books, The Wasp Question and Dissident Dispatches. I've read them both. Every word carries freight. Definitely uh, so an original thing. Check it out. Drew, God bless you, buddy. We'll talk to you again very soon. Paul Fromm's up Okay, next. thank you. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. 
Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. You're listening to the Political Cess Pool on ResolutionRDO.com. Call and listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Katie Armour raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight. Feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. already taken you around the world and it's only the first of our four-week series our march around the world tonight you've already been to the united kingdom great britain australia in the last hour and now back to canada we're going to take a quick trip to visit our northern neighbor in canada with paul Fromm, the director of the canadian association for free expression he's back tonight uh, we're ending our trip this week a little bit closer to home when paul uh, here now makes another lively and informative appearance paul you were commenting in the uh, in the queue before we came live this hour that we've uh, we covered most of the commonwealth tonight yeah, yeah well the old white commonwealth yes um <clears throat> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. British Guiana, not so much. Uh, not so much, no. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, yeah, uh, y- your northern neighbor is uh, is going through a lot of turmoil right now. Uh, I guess you all remember the, the scandal uh, uh, around the Clinton Foundation where basically it turned out that was uh, pay to play. So uh, uh, movers and shakers who wanted access to the Clintons and their influence to make a big contribution to the Clinton Foundation. Well, it's exactly the same thing has happened in Canada. This is part of a larger story. The story is evidence of a major red Chinese subversion of our last two federal elections. Um, they illegally funneled money you know, into 11 different ridings, at least 11, um, and uh, uh, they uh, signed up volunteers, of, well, paid for volunteers, or, or commanded volunteers to go out to nomination meetings. Uh, they, they were basically trying to get uh, Justin Trudeau reelected, and um, uh, and they were uh, they were successful. Now he came in both times with a minority government, but uh, finally this subversion uh, has been uh, exposed, and the government's in furious denial and retreat. They don't want to, to strike a, a, an independent uh, investigation, uh, say, under a judge. Uh, they are uh, uh, complaining that the leaked uh, documents from our spy agency, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, are, well, um, I don't say exactly they're wrong, but, um, well, they're incomplete. Well, I'm sure they're incomplete. I mean, that's not the entire intelligence uh, uh, score. Uh, or, uh, but uh, uh, the, the, there's a Commons committee this past week looking into this, and you wouldn't believe the way the government bureaucrats just basically said nothing. I mean, uh, American uh, congressional he- hearings are far more informative. Uh, they asked the two spokesmen for Elections Canada that runs our elections uh, uh, about this. Well, they couldn't comment. Are there any investigations of complaints? Well, there are investigations, but they can't comment. Oh, why? Well, uh, uh, confidentiality. See, right to privacy and confidentiality are used always by bureaucrats to shield themselves. It sounds very nice and idealistic. Oh, we can't tell you anything. It's our privacy. No, it's a way of of, uh, keeping their privates or their bottoms well covered. and then uh, well, one MP asked, "Well, were you were you passed on information by the you know the spy agency, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service?" Oh, didn't say uh, because national security. Well, it's already out there. Uh, you, you know, you're seeing a tottering, totalitarian, uh, dying regime, um, and it, it's amazing the chapter and verse that we already know about red Chinese influence of much of our political elite going back 40 years or more. Well, it sounds like uh, America's carbon copy then with the Bidens and the Chinese. Let me ask you this. Is there any truth to the rumor that Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's love child? (laughs) We (laughs) talked about that last time. Come on. Uh, well, uh, I wasn't there at the creation, so I guess I can't say. <laughs> uh, but probably there were several people who were. <laughs> well, you're not talking about a threesome, are you? Uh, <laughs> maybe, but, maybe uh, an eight-summer. <laughs> well, 
I don't know. <laughs> uh, the pic- pictures of Castro back then in the uh, what were the the seventies uh, look an awful lot like uh, Trudeau at, at about the same age today. Uh, a dead ringer, well, who, who knows? But Trudeau certainly does not look look like his father, his by uh, uh, Pierre Trudeau. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's proof of anything, but that's about all I can say. Um, uh, but but the the you know interesting as that might be, the ideology comes from his father. Pierre Trudeau was the one who recognized Red China in 1971. Pierre Trudeau was a great admirer of Mao Zedong. Uh, Mao Zedong, uh, he Trudeau visited Red China. In 1959, I think, just as their great leap forward, which was a complete great leap backwards, what was underway. He came back and he, uh, he with a, his traveling companion, uh, a man who'd go on to become a Canadian senator, Jacques Hébert, he came back and he wrote a book, uh, Deux Innocents en Chine, or Two Innocents in China. Um, uh, I don't think that either was an innocent. They were completely, I don't think they were completely taken in. Uh, they, they came back as actor propagandists from Mao Zedong, but he was doing great things. Well, it, it killing about six, six million of his own fellow countrymen was a great thing. I guess, guess, uh, guess uh, he was doing great things. So Trudeau uh, recognized Red China, dumped Taiwan. That's Pierre Trudeau. Um, and uh, in a brilliant piece in today's National Post, Father uh, Raymond D'Souza points out and very key to this, uh, to the Chinese uh, subversion in Canada, or the or subversion of, our, of much of our political class, is the Demeray family. They run this huge uh, uh, enterprise in Quebec called Power Corp, which is called Power Corporation. And the Demarays are, are very big uh, on the, uh, the, the supporters of the major uh, lobbying group for Red China, um, and uh, they've been financial supporters, but they're very they're very well connected. They were connected with, uh, of course, Pierre Trudeau. They were connected with uh, his, uh, his uh, well uh, successor in the Conservative Party, uh, Brian Mulroney. Uh, he was they're connected with Jean Chrétien, who succeeded Mulroney. He was a liberal. And Paul Martin, who's a liberal, and and uh, they're very well connected with uh, with Justin Trudeau. I mean, m- money talks, and um, they're a very very powerful family. And um, uh, and the the interconnections with uh, with much of the elite, both liberal and conservative, which are nearly is possible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our first break of the hour. When we come back. Much more news from the great white north, from one of our finest representatives from Canada, Paul Fromm, the director of the Canadian Association for Free Expression. He's back with us all next. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. 
At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. And that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. everybody paul from the one and only representing canada our answer to nanook of the north <laughs> representing canada uh, during tpc's march around the world this year the 2023 installment uh, by the way you want to support paul we want you to do that uh, he deserves it uh, we want you to support the canadian association for free expression which is dedicated to free speech immigration reform and restoring political sanity you want to learn more go to paul's website uh, for the Canadian Association for Free Expression, that's CAFE, C-A-F-E, CAFE dot NFSHost.com. That's CAFE dot November Foxtrot Sierra Host.com. And there you can stay uh, in touch and in tune with Paul and all of his latest postings and all the great work there that CAFE is doing. Support the work of a good man, uh, our champion up in Canada. Paul, last year at this time, the first week of March in 2022, we had already had you on the program three times. Now, you are most certainly a program mainstay and a regular guest, but three times in the first two months of any given year is a lot even for you. And the reason we had you on three times uh, last year before March was because of the Canadian Truckers' Rebellion. We were so riveted by that story. We had you on to kind of lay the foundation, and then it, uh, as it continued to evolve and progress all the way through uh, the end of it all, you were there with us almost on a weekly basis as a correspondent uh, throughout the month of February last year talking about that. So we were talking with Nick Griffin in the first hour. He says he sees some grassroots rebellion in, in its own right over there on the British Isles. Uh, Andrew and Fraser. too, right? Andrew Fraser saying it's sort of a mixed bag in Australia, but he's got a new book out, and we're excited about that. How are things going? Here's the question. How are things going in Canada now? Are you removed from the trucker's strike? How are things going? Is there still that uh, discontent bubbling beneath the surface, or what's going on? Oh, yes. Um, 
In fact, even mainstream <clears throat> commentators say Canada has never been so divided, at least say maybe since the First World War. So we're talking in 100 years. Um, there's the Good. elite, the, the leftists or cultural Marxist Ottawa elite, uh, in a in the um, you know the Liberal Party and uh, much of the, most of the media, um, and uh, then there's a great deal of uh, populist resentment. And believe me, the truckers' freedom uh, rally has not gone away. Um, there are there are weekly rallies in various parts around uh, places around the country. They're not as big as they were a year ago, but people have not given up. I was one at one in downtown Toronto two Saturdays ago. Um, uh, people are are now finding out that they were right. Uh, a number of medical sources have, have come out saying, "Well, you know, those lockdowns weren't necessarily uh, the, the best strategy. In fact, now it's obvious that they did a tremendous amount of harm. Kids out of school for almost three years, home learning, did, I mean, uh, online learning didn't work for a lot of kids. There's been I mean, a lot of mental illness." Then it turns out, well, you know, the anti-mask people were, well, they were right. And this is for medical sources. I've had it called back in May of 2020 uh, out of this, the New England Journal of, of Medicine. And there's a report in there that, that masking outside of a surgical situation uh, did no good. It was a placebo. You might just as well talk to your thoughts. Um, and I've had that confirmed by a friend of mine who is trained as a doctor in, in Afghanistan. And uh, uh, so, and so it, it turns out that we were right. And the vaccines that we were forced to take, or many people were forced to, or they lose their job, well, then mm, it didn't seem to be working all that well. And our own prime minister is a good example. He's double vaxxed, and he had the boosters. And he got COVID early last year. And then in June of last year, he got it again. Well, you know, if you took a, uh, let's say, an injection, you know, when you and I were young against smallpox and you ended up getting smallpox, you might say, I don't think that injection did much good. So this is seeping through to people, and, and the people are angry. Now, they had a, a judicial inquiry, as the law required, into the imposition of the Emergencies Act. That was basically a, a shutdown of a lot of our civil liberties. And uh, the judge it was a Liberal Party, I won't say hack, but uh, Liberal Party, uh, well affiliated with the Liberal Party, let's say, and, and including being a donor to the party. Well, although he had a few criticisms of the way the government handled things, he basically said they that's the threshold uh, for invocation of this act. Now, th- that was absolutely, uh, th- th- I don't know if there's a nice way to say bullshit, but... Um, the act was very clear. <laughs> a, threat, a threat to national security is defined by the act that that governs our spy agency, the CISA. And uh, so, a threat to national security would be things like um, uh, uh, like attempting to overthrow the the government of Canada by force, uh, uh, espionage, sabotage. Uh, none of that applied. The, the only thing that could possibly apply was. Uh, um, um, serious acts of violence uh, 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 against persons or property to advance your uh, uh, your political goals. Well, that didn't happen either. The, the uh, Freedom Convoy was entirely peaceful. So what the, ju- the learned judge said, this is uh, 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 Paul Rouleau, 
he said, well, there could be other forms of threats to national security. Well, there might or there might not be, but that's not what the act said. So he said, well, the government had good reason to think, well, there could be violence. You don't have the right, for instance, to arrest James Edwards because, well, he might get violent some night. That's not the way our system works. So many people were very disillusioned by this. But the inquiry into whether the government was justified basically whitewashed them with a few little criticism, of course. So people are not forgetting this. People also have a long memory about the collaboration by the Canadian banks. But that was one of the interesting things that came out. There were major bankers who were urging Trudeau to declare all the protesters terrorists. And therefore, if they were declared terrorists, then they could seize their bank accounts for good. I mean, loot their bank accounts. This comes from senior bankers. And I know several of your police agencies have declared people like right-to-life groups or fundamentalist Christians or traditionalist Catholics as terrorists. Now, people aren't picking up arms or bombs or anything like that. There's a tendency on the part of much of our elite to equate any spirited opposition with terrorism, throwing bombs or that sort of thing. Paul Keith Alexander here. Tell me about fuel and fuel prices over there. I know that was a big thing with the truck drivers. You're interested in fuel tonight. Yeah, I am. <laughs> because, see, all this, you know, climate change and fuel seem to be joined like um, at the hip. And I'm wondering if you – did you have high costs for uh, – or any shortages for heating oil or for coal or um, other ways of uh, heating – providing heat for homes uh, in Canada this past winter or not? I'm not sure if there have been shortages, but the the price of of natural gas, a lot of people in Canada are are natural gas, myself included, um, shot up have doubled. Uh, The prices of gasoline, as in the States, have gone up and down quite a bit, but we were as high as $2 a liter. Don't say, oh, that sounds cheap. A liter is a quarter of a, of a U.S. gallon. That's eight dollars a gallon, uh, and uh, that's almost entirely because of our carbon tax. Now we have a government that that, uh, that is uh, so uh, uh, high on uh, fighting climate change and global warming that they, they make your your president look almost conservative, um, and they they don't care. Raise raise the cost of fuel. Um, uh, they, they, they've got a, a war planned against uh, our, our oil patch in, um, in, in Alberta. Uh, we have twice turned down hugely lucrative uh, deals. In, in August, uh, the president of Germany, uh, uh, Schultz, came over and practically knelt down and said, could you build uh, a liquefied natural gas outlet on the East Coast to ship uh, gas to, to uh, Germany because you know uh, of the problems with uh, with the north with the cutoff of uh, or uh, limiting of the Russian Nord Stream pipeline. Yeah, and uh, uh, Trudeau said, well, there wasn't any long range uh, benefit to that, so he sent the German Chancellor packing. A couple months later, the German Chancellor makes a deal with, I believe, uh, Bahrain. 
uh, a $15 billion deal that will stretch over uh, 10 years. Same thing happened when the Japanese Prime Minister visited about a, a month ago. Hold on right there. Hold on right there. Hard to believe we're down to the last two segments of tonight's show. Yeah, I do say it a lot, but I think all of our shows are really good tonight, especially so with these three guests. Paul Fromm back in Canada to help us wrap it up in the next two segments coming right up. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. Former President Trump delivered the keynote speech tonight as the Conservative Political Action Conference comes to a close. The sinister forces trying to kill America have done everything they can to stop me, to silence you, and to turn this nation into a socialist dumping ground for criminals, junkies, Marxists, thugs, radicals, and dangerous refugees that no other country wants. Before he wrapped up things, he took a shot at Joe and Hunter Biden. Dad, we have a problem. I left my laptop at the repair shop and Joe looks at him and says what's on it son what's on it and Hunter looks back and he says every single crime that you've ever committed there Florida Governor Ron DeSantis skipped the annual CPAC event President Biden has a possible new competitor for the White House Robert F. Kennedy Jr. told a crowd in New Hampshire he may make a run for the White House Uh, I'm thinking about it Kennedy saying, I passed the biggest hurdle, which is that my wife has green-lighted it. But there is one issue that may not sit well with his fellow Democrats. Kennedy is a longtime anti-vaxxer, even heading the group Children's Health Defense that was kicked off social media for misinformation about COVID-19. And all of these injuries that I speak about to children, there is no bigger issue for our country than that. He joins a short list of Democrats that are eyeing a potential challenge to President Biden's re-election bid. I'm John Schaefer. Flight delays and cancellations are being blamed on winter storms across parts of the country. According to FlightAware, more than 700 flights have been canceled, over 1,800 delayed today due to strong winds and heavy snow. And there is still plenty of time for you to buy a ticket for tonight's Powerball jackpot worth $161 million to anyone who correctly picks all six numbers. This is USA News. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? low-cost airlines with one call to low-cost airlines you'll drastically slash your travel costs we're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations where would you like to go london rome costa rica australia wow that's cheap so why wait call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the u.s or international our prices are so low we can't publish them the only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel it's that easy so call now and start packing 800-215-5141 that's 800-215-5141 
Welcome back, everybody. We are kicking off our march around the world, not just in three countries tonight. No, no, that would be too easy. Three different continents uh, from. Who are we going to get from Antarctica? Uh, we gotta, we're, there's got to be somebody. There's got to be somebody. But uh, we were in the U.K. Uh, well, uh, now, Nick corrected me on that. He wasn't in the United Kingdom, or was he? He was in Northern Ireland. Which is out of the United Kingdom, no, but not United Kingdom. Northern Ireland is. He's the from United England, Kingdom, but he was in the United but Kingdom. But Great Britain, he, he said. He's not from Great Britain because Northern Ireland is not uh, part of Great Britain, but it is part of the United Kingdom. Well, he was all over. He he was on that island. Well, all right. In, in that series of islands. Okay. <laughs> he was over there somewhere, and that's where we were in the first hour. Then Australia, and now Canada. Three entirely different continents tonight with the great Paul Fromm, uh, director of the Canadian Association of Free Expression. He is a champion of free speech and free association, and he has been a longtime friend of ours, a mainstay on this program since day one. I, I don't even remember how far Paul Fromm and I go back because it, it, it actually precedes the beginning of this radio program. I met Paul before I ever went on the air, if you can believe it. That's a I'll long time. Don't forget the time we were at Shoney's. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Well, that's another great thing that I, you know, honestly, Keith, that's one of the things I love about Paul. He has traveled all over the world, small towns, big cities. He has spoken to groups of, you know, a dozen people and hundreds of people, thousands of people, and he's out there on the streets with the bullhorn. You follow his Twitter like I do, and I love watching and reading what Paul is doing day after day after day, tirelessly working uh, on behalf of our people and our nations, and uh, there's no crowd too big, no crowd too small. He puts forth the same effort. And, Paul, all seriousness, God bless you for that, and God keep you, brother, because you've been an inspiration to me, as I said. Uh, we met more than 20 years ago, I guess, because I've been on the air 19, and I knew you before we started, and you've been a big part of what we've done here, and I thank you for the example that you've set for all of us to follow. We met at a Euro conference in, um, in uh, Metairie, and yep. you had just run for public office, uh, and uh, I think that was the first time I met you. Uh, that is correct. Good memory. Memory's still speaking sharp. Of, uh, speaking about protests, I'm going to be out protesting and waving a sign Monday afternoon uh, opposing a man named Dong. He's a Chinaman named Dong. <laughs> Uh, not not talk, trying to talk dirty here tonight. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> Maybe that's Justin Trudeau's father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, that's what we've been talking about, though. We've been talking about, well, obviously, most importantly, who's Justin Trudeau's father. But beyond that, <laughs> beyond that, the meddling of the red Chinese and the Chinese elections. And, and what else do you want to talk about this segment, Paul? That's, that's what this, was, uh, this protest is all about. Dawn um, is uh, uh, very, very friendly to the red Chinese government. He was a, a businessman, and I'll, I'll skip some of the details, but the, the consulate in Toronto supplied him with um, uh, people to, uh, to uh, go to a nomination meeting. Uh, that, that, that we have nomination meetings uh, you know, by, with the parties you know, where you have primaries, and uh, the red Chinese very, you know, it was shrewdly calculated, as in the United States, um, very few ridings are in swing, in, in, in flux. You know, most ridings are either liberal, conservative, or socialist, or block. Uh, you know, except in a landslide election, 
uh, there's only a very limited numbers that will number that will change. So if you can get the nomination in a safe riding, if you say it's a liberal riding, you can get the liberal nomination. You're going to be the next member of parliament. Anyway, uh, Dong uh, has been exposed as basically a, a tool of the Red Chinese, and we're asking Mr. Dong to go ding dong and resign. Now he sure he won't, but uh, so I'll be waving a sign for that. But what I wanted to talk about was uh, um, uh, immigration and, and border security. Uh, Canada has been a major backer financially uh, of, of the Ukraine because uh, the prime minister says we're defending democracy. I'm not so sure about that. We don't have it in Canada, but we're going to defend it in the Ukraine. And he's very upset because uh, the Russians in, invaded uh, the Ukraine uh, last year. So he's funneled them a lot of money. I um, can't say a lot of arms because our military is so depleted. We did manage to send them six, uh, leopard, uh, six uh, leopard tanks. We had 88, but most of them have rusted away. We, we basically maybe have 20 operational ones. So we've sent them six. So I was thinking, okay, so we, we're, we're very concerned about uh, defending uh, the Ukraine's border. But what about our own? And that's where the the term Roxham Road or the the place Roxham Road comes in. It's a it's a, a road uh, that uh, crosses the border from the Upper New York State into Quebec, just south of Montreal. And over the past several years, over sixty thousand six oh thousand illegals have come across that border. Um, <clears throat> now. Um, that has been a result of a bloody-minded reading of, of a very good treaty uh, the, between Canada and the United States, and that's the Third Safe Country Treaty. And what it means is if you fly into one country and want to make a refugee claim, you must make the claim there. You can't skedaddle across the border to the other country and, and make it there. So these people are coming up from the United States. No, they're not American citizens. Uh, many come from Nigeria, Haiti, Central America, and they're, they're already in the United States. Uh, so the, the treaty says, well, you've got to make your claim there. You can't come up to Canada. And where the, where the, the, the problem is, is the treaty says at a designated border crossing. So if you cross at, uh, let's say, at the Ambassador Bridge uh, at, uh, you know, between Niagara Falls and uh, and U.S. and Canada, you've, and you, you, if you make that claim, they'll send you back. But we we choose, or at least the Trudeau government, because they basically want the European people replaced. They're, they're not all upset about these these illegals. So um, they they say, well, we can't kick them out because they didn't cross at a designated border crossing. Uh, so, well, okay, if they're coming across there, well, why not build a fence, build a wall? They've had, uh, this first started in uh, 2017, and uh, it, it tapered off almost entirely during COVID, but uh, so they're, they're just pouring across now, and uh, uh, it, it's a major problem. It's a major burden because we have to take care of these people, you know, welfare, uh, legal aid. Uh, shelter, uh, and we have a housing crisis. So you know, we don't have enough housing for our own people. Uh, so, but uh, this is part of the utter hypocrisy. Why should we be worried about the Ukraine's border when we will, when our 
present government will simply not defend our own. It, it's an invasion. And I don't think that's too uh, dramatic a term. Let me ask you this, if I could, uh, Paul. What makes Canada and the Canadians so incorrigibly uh, liberal? You know, they, uh, they, they even outdo the United States, which I think is almost impossible nowadays. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Do you see the things breaking well for conservatives? Uh, We're getting encouraged. Well, that's, the, that's a, the question, Paul. We're getting encouraged down here. Nick's getting encouraged in, in, uh, in England, and uh, there are some anecdotal and data-driven reasons for that. Uh, and, of course, you we're talking about the trucker strike. There, You were saying there is a discontent underneath the surface. Do you see this thing breaking at any point? Yeah, I think it will break. The left has on it. There's a good news and bad news. I think it will break up the next election for a number of reasons. People are fed up with Trudeau. Some substantial number are fed up. Um, then um, there's also, uh, uh, you know, the political scientists will tell you that you know, governments have a, a certain shelf life. And Trudeau, by the next election, if he lasts till 2025, he'll have been in power for 10 years. And uh, that, that's they're usually past their uh, their, uh, their their good date by then. So yes, I think there is a very good chance he'll be replaced. The bad news is that the, the likely replacement is Pierre Poilievre of the Conservatives. Now he talks a good fight on some things, but uh, but he's unfortunately uh, a career politician and. Uh, I think he's weak. On one thing, on one key issue, immigration, well, he's all for immigration. He just wants to do it better. No, 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 no. We don't need, uh, frankly, we don't need any immigration. The, the economists will tell you we do. Labor shortage, you know, there is no labor shortage. But you know, it's, it's the same old refrain, oh, we need immigrants to you know, grow the economy and, and that stuff. But ba- basically, it's, it's European replacement immigration. We're not talking about immigration from... New England or immigration. From Europe or from Australia. Yes. Paul heard the music. He knows what to do. Hey, Paul's a radio pro. He's the Midnight Man. We'll be back with you for one more segment. If you can believe it, only one more. Seem like three hours to you. Three hours work for you, Keith? I can go all night long with these guys. Stay tuned. One more with Paul Frank. Stay tuned. I'm Michael Hill, President of the League of the South. I and my compatriots are Southern Nationalists. We seek the survival, well-being, and independence of the Southern people, our people. The League wants a South that enjoys the sweet fruits of Christian liberty and prosperity, but our current situation won't allow it. We must have our independence from Washington, D.C. and the globalists. The present system cannot be reformed. Without independence, we will continue down this path of destruction. To us, this is not acceptable. I'm asking you, Southern man and woman, to join us today to free the South. Call us at 256-757-6789 or see our website at www.leagueofthesouth.com. God save the South. (laughs) 
Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. Ladies and gentlemen, TPC's March Around the World is uh, definitely underway, and in a big way, with Nick Griffin, Drew Fraser, and Paul Fromm now here in our third and final hour. The UK, Australia, Canada, and so many more ports of call that we'll be getting to over the course of the next three weeks as this March-long, month-long <laughs> march through March uh, continues over the course of uh, the next uh, several days. And uh, anyway, always great to talk with Paul. I, I want to make mention, uh, if I could take the floor just very quickly, and there's good reason to let Paul answer this in a moment, uh, because he was mentioned as well. Uh, the I mentioned this with Nick Griffin earlier in the show. The Southern Poverty Law Center published its 79th article. 79, 79, attacking yours truly in the work of this radio program. I know must that must be doing something wrong because I went to their archive and I put in the search terms, James Edwards, political cesspool and 79 articles came back. And in this particular article, we were called white supremacist, white nationalist, racist, neo-Nazi 43 times. If you add Holocaust denier, it's 50. <laughs> and let me tell you just a little bit about this group. I mean, their attempts over the 20 years uh, to damage us have been truly bizarre, truly bizarre series of exchanges. The first one, back in 2006, had a college-aged female staffer. I don't know if she was an intern or a paid employer or what, but she wrote the article, so she was definitely working with them. She presented herself to me as a fan in hopes of tricking me into some sort of a compromising situation, and she failed. But that just goes to show the level of dishonesty uh, that the SBLC will engage in. They did that. And another bizarre instance occurred when another employee emailed me an unsolicited and unhinged rant from her official SBLC email account. We've got all this up on the website. You can go check it out. I, I actually reposted some of this last Friday. And if you go into it, I mean, yes, they have been thoroughly discredited by independent arbiters like the Baltimore Sun and Harper's Magazine. 
And, of course, there was a story from the Cincinnati Inquirer, many other establishment media outlets some years ago, a few years ago, not too long ago, uh, that the SPLC directly inspired an act of domestic terrorism against a Christian organization. The story reads that the Family Research Council is a nonprofit group that supports and promotes traditional ideas of marriage and family. For its efforts, the SPLC designated it an extremist hate group deserving of condemnation. That inspired Floyd Lee Corkins II uh, to go to their headquarters and uh, shoot someone. And he said he wanted to kill as many people as he could and rub Chick-fil-A sandwiches in their face. He's a black <laughs> abortion enthusiast, I guess you would call him. <laughs> he shot and wounded four. a security guard. Now, you didn't hear. They actually did. He said that he was inspired by the SPLC. Dylan Roof, they inferred he was inspired by the Council of Conservative Citizens. They never any proof of that, except that he visited their website. And this, we know because he said so. Uh, but incredibly, even the SPLC's former leaders have been accused by their own co-workers of fostering a systemic culture of racism and sexism. So what they claim all of us are, they've actually been accused of by their own co-workers, uh, racism and sexism. That led to the uh, dismissal of or, or, or the uh, abandonment of the facilities by people like Morris Dees and others. Uh, so that's rich, of course. But I, I want to be identified as being the exact opposite of any such putrid organization. And, and all the way back in 2006, all the way back, you know, the first time I was asked about it by the media, 2006, I got put on the hate watch list. I said I was ecstatic that I would be on the hate watch list of a, what I called a group in front of the media. And they quoted me, uh, a group of communist and civil rights hustlers, because you haven't arrived until you've made it to their hate watch list. I wanted to be there. And others want to be there now, too. 20 state attorney generals. Paul, did you know this? 20 different state attorney generals. Uh, attorneys general? Uh, what's the plural of that? 20 state AGs. Yeah, just attorneys last... Attorneys general. You had it right. Attorneys general. Just last month, co-signed a letter condemning the SPLC as utterly discredited and an unreliable source. So here, here we go. Uh, this latest oh, article. Yeah, all of this stuff. Uh, the, these things. I want to say this. I'm going to say two things. I'm going to toss it to Paul. Number one, uh, I, I could have told you all that. I didn't have to tell you all that. I don't care who they are or what they stand for or what they're doing. Uh, they're never going to make me back away from my positions. I will not retreat. I will not apologize. I will not surrender. You I mean, can well, call they me They were celebrating anything. the end of our show back in 2004. Well, guess what? Mark Potok, Mar Mar Morris Dees, all these people have been given the boot by the SPLC. So... Who's zooming who on this? An upright man doesn't shrink from the truth. And I welcome these attacks from anti-white and anti-Christian uh, organizations as a badge of honor. You face your enemy by looking him in the eyes with their, you, your shoulders squared, and you don't apologize, and you don't retract anything. Uh, I don't think, Paul, I don't think they actually believe the things that they say. Uh, I don't think they can. I don't think you can believe that it is okay for every race and every people group in the world to advocate for their own group interests and then deny that right to whites. I don't think you can correlate that hypocrisy and that double standard. I think that they are motivated by hatred of whites. And if you hate me, I stand against you. I stand uh, for my people, and I don't apologize for that. You were called a neo-Nazi in this piece for good measure. Uh, how would you respond to that? What advice would you give? Two questions. Two questions. Number one, do you think that the sting of these terms from these obviously partisan 
agitprop organizations like the SPLC are losing their sting? And number uh, two, how would you encourage others to stand as you have stood for so many years when faced with this barrage? Well, you mentioned earlier in the program that, that, that Nick and uh, Nick Griffin was in Northern Ireland or, or often called Ulster. Well, well, the Patriots in Ulster have a slogan that you know might uh, might be yours and mine uh, and ours, and that is no surrender. And and that's uh, um, that's I think the the, uh, the attitude you have to take. On our flag. I, I think the, the smear about racism is. Uh, is diminishing in its power in that in the discussion of the Chinese uh, interference in our election. That one of the first things the prime minister accused uh, uh, the you know the opposition of was anti-Chinese racism uh, for bringing this up. Well, most of the uh, of the dirty tricks are being played by the red Chinese consulate against other Chinese living in Canada. There's no racism here. And I sense even from some mainline um, publications that the, 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 the accusation of racism, it doesn't necessarily end the debate the way it, it might have a few, uh, you know, maybe a few years ago. Uh, so the SPLC, uh, you know, I think there are two things. The, the driving force by people like Botox and others, I know he's gone, but it's an absolute hatred of, of, of white people. I, and I think that goes back to, Why to, his, uh, to, his, yeah, to his origin. And I don't think he's a, a Roman Catholic from, uh, from County Derry. Um, uh, that, that's part <laughs> of the other part of it is, some, is facing the buck. Uh, I saw an S a, a, a number of years ago that, uh, I think the SPLC was sending, uh, sitting on something like over $150 million in, a, you know, in assets. Crying um, that the Nazis are coming, the Nazis are coming, they're going to be, there's going to be a gas chamber on every, uh, every corner. It uh, pays off big. Uh, they, they managed to scare a certain segment of the community with, with their, uh, their heavy breathing denunciations for, you know, for I'd say about part of forty years, and it pays. I mean, hopefully, it isn't paying as much today as it used to. But um, um, so they always want to call any opponent, you know, a, a neo-Nazi or a racist, or they know, who, uh, they know who their audience is. They know who they're trying to collect money from. Yeah, yeah. Tell the rich Jewish backers that the Nazis are coming, and a fair number of them will write a check. Um, and, and that's part of it. I mean, the fundraising is definitely part of it. The other part is they definitely want to kneecap everybody who's out there who doesn't have a, a self-guilt and self-hatred of being how God made them, if you're if you're part of our group collective, of course, and only a, a part of our group collective. That's the
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com.